Welcome into Jags AM presented by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. Step up to luxuryfieldsauto.com. I'm Kainani Stevens here with Brian Sexton, John Osier. It is Chiefs week. It's the home opener. We're all kinds of excited for our game on Sunday. So we're diving into that matchup against the defending champs. And we have our Chiefs insider, Neil Jones, with us today as we go over some of the matchups and what it's going to look like when these two teams face off on Sunday. Neil, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. Um, good morning. Good morning. Uh, what kind of what is the roster going to look like when the Chiefs get here on Sunday? I know you guys have Chris Jones back and then obviously the Travis Kelsey situation. What's the latest on that? Well, at practice yesterday, we were able to go in and shoot stretching only because you call me an insider. There are no insiders in the media in Kansas City. Andy Reid is as secretive as they come. He is Bill Belichick with a slightly more genial personality. So we really don't know. I will say this. Travis Kelsey didn't do anything overt. He didn't make any movements that were quick. He did some stuff. He did some reps, uh, but they were at about a quarter speed. Uh, he was wearing a sleeve on his right knee. It wasn't really a brace. It was like a sleeve you'd put over your pads, which is a good sign. Uh, all, all signs are that his, his knee injury is not very serious, but does that mean he can play? They will not play him if there's any chance that he could get hurt worse. So we don't know if he's going to go or not. The likelihood is that he will be able to play. Uh, when it comes to Chris Jones, the, the question is how many snaps can he get? Yesterday was unseasonably cool, at least for this year, in Kansas City. It was 80 degrees with very little humidity. It's been very hot and humid all summer long during training camp. So it's hard to know what, his, what, what kind of shape Chris Jones is in. I will say this. He works out year-round. He knew coming into the league that he puts on weight in the offseason, and so he made a concerted effort to get tr training staff down in Miami where he, he spends the offseason. He works out twice a day, almost year-round. So he comes in looking very slim for a man who's over 320 pounds, and he says he's in great shape, but how does that translate into game shape? How many snaps can he make? And I think he can play a major role in this game if he's able to play 30 or 40 snaps. Hey, Neil, nice to see you, my friend. And, I, you know, look, you, Kai, you called him the Chiefs insider, and he humbly shook that off. He's been around Kansas City a long time, and few people know the Chiefs as well as Neil Jones. So thank you for making time, my friend. It's good to see you. Good to see you as well. Um, first of all, I've seen a lot of players in early season 1 o'clock games in Jacksonville who are in great shape get carried off the field here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Famously, some Steelers back in 1996 where it felt like soup. So Chris Jones can have worked out twice a day, but if he didn't do it in the kind of humidity he's going to see here on Sunday, I wonder how many snaps he could take. But that's not my question for you. You have seen good football in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. Were you surprised at how much it, how ineffective the offense performed relative to their standard, obviously, without Kelsey? I mean, Patrick has made it look so easy with whomever was around him, but on that Thursday night against the Lions, it seemed difficult for him, maybe for the first time in his career. Yeah, you know, that's exactly what I took away from that game and what surprised me so much. Uh, people don't realize how good of a game planner Andy Reid really is. I mean, we've seen him succeed with just a number of different quarterbacks with different skill sets, and you know that he's really good, but you don't realize how great he is until he was given an instrument like Patrick Mahomes who can execute his offense, who's also very smart and a hard worker so that he can recognize things. Uh, and to see them kind of stymied was surprising. But it, it was not just not having Kelsey. That was the biggest. But there were he's got young receivers who were playing their first game. You know, they, their, their second-round draft pick, Rasheed Rice, number four, who's an excellent player out of SMU. 
is lost a little bit. Kadarius Tony was getting open, and he does know the offense, and he's worked very hard when he first came in from the Giants last year. So he knew where to be. The problem was when they threw it to him, he dropped the football. They had 18 incompletions, which is a large number for Patrick Mahomes, but 10 of them are deemed to be drops by the official stats compiled by the NFL. 10 drops. So they were executing the offense, getting the football in people's hands, they weren't catching it. And, and he, what he does, what Patrick Mahomes does, he puts the ball up and gives his receiver a chance to make plays. Sometimes that can make him look bad if the receiver turns the wrong way or doesn't win his battle for the ball, doesn't go up and win it at the high point. Because it looks like he's just laying it out there. That's what happened in the AFC Championship game two years ago in overtime against the Bengals, and it got him beat. He tried to get it to Tyreek Hill uh, and give him a chance to make a play, and Hill wasn't able to make it. He, it looks like he was throwing a double coverage. So it did look very uncharacteristic. But I will say this, the last time we, did, we saw this Chiefs team playing without their all-world tight end, Travis Kelsey was against the Titans in the playoffs the last half of the Alex Smith era. Their offense went completely stagnant in the second half without, without the tight end. He changes everything. Defensive coaches will say you have to account for him. Used to be you had to account for him in over the middle and, and for Tyreek Hill deep. Now without Hill, you have to account for him. And without him in there to tie up a bunch of, of, of underneath coverage, it changed the way people play defense against them, and it made them vulnerable. Neil, this is obviously a, a huge game for Jacksonville. It's a big game for Kansas City, but I'm wondering if, if you get any vibe for how the Chiefs sort of feel about this game. I get the Jaguars have never beaten them. They were 9-8 and eight last year, etc. Do the Chiefs care about this game in, in any way the way the Jags do? Or put that in perspective for me, what they're thinking of this. Well, you know, that's the great thing about last year. They played two games against the Jags. Game one, the Jags secondary was more physical than any other secondary that the Chiefs saw. They blasted them. It looked to me like they made a concerted effort. We are going to hit them early and often, and just we're going to go right up to the rules and maybe a little bit over the line a little bit, and we're going to really put it on them. That got their attention. I thought the Jags were much better that first game than we expected. And then the playoff game's a seven-point game. I mean, uh, they... They come into this saying all the right things, but more than that, I think that they believe this Jags team's a good team. It is an ascending team that's coached by a guy who Andy Reid loves, Doug Peterson. He talked about it yesterday at the press conference. He goes, I've been with him a long time, a lot of years. I respect him. That carries over to the football team. This is a smart football team, as well as being a talented football team, and I think they know how good the Jags can be. I don't think there's any way they overlook Jacksonville. Hey, quick thought, uh, Neil, and I'm sure you've gotten to know Juwan Taylor a little bit. We all love the kid. Uh, just a tremendous young man and a good football player. How has he handled all the questions and attention put his way this week? Is he taking it in stride or is he a little aggravated by it? Because when he gets under his skin a little bit, he'll give you that little, you know, twitch. <laughs> all right, well, l let me explain how it works. Yesterday, we go out there. We have Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, Kadarius Toney, and the head coach, Andy Reid. They closed the locker room the minute the press conference ended. So none of us went in. I don't know that there might have been one or two uh, internet guys who went in and talked to Juwan yesterday, but no television people did because we were in the interview room and it's an either or, right? Yeah. And and everyone's like, I bet they keep, the, I bet they, they, they close down the locker room the minute 
they get done with the press conferences. That's exactly what happened because everybody wanted to go in there. I suspect today he will be, there'll be some people that do go in there and they may even bring him to the podium. I don't know. Uh, he did not have a great game. Uh, he didn't have a terrible game on Thursday, last Thursday, but he didn't have a great game either. He had a couple of penalties. And I, I didn't think the left tackle, uh, the guy that came in, Donovan Smith, who's a veteran guy who was released from uh, Tampa Bay last year, had a real good run at Tampa Bay. I don't think he had a great game either. He missed a block. He got driven right back into Mahomes' face. Now, Mahomes held the ball longer, and this goes back, uh, Brian, to what you were talking about. He held the ball longer uh, in that game Thursday, according to the NFL statistics, official stats. He held it longer than he did at any time last year, and that's because receivers weren't getting open, and so he's patting the ball and moving around, keeping his head upfield. So the, the offensive line had to protect longer than usual. The ball wasn't out on time. He dropped back. You're used to it coming out. It wasn't coming out. So I'm not pointing the finger at the offensive line, but the offensive line did not have a great game, and it started with the tackles. Neil, I just want to close out with you because I like to get the outside perspective as to what other teams are seeing. But we feel like Jaguars have things in place with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, you have a coach and quarterback combo that's – pretty much as good as it gets. When you have an outside perspective looking in, what do you see from Trevor Lawrence, and do you guys, are you guys as high on him as maybe we are? Well, I think he proved himself. He made great throws in those two games. He stands in there. He's a big guy who's not afraid to take it. You know, he, he was handed such a bad hand right out of college, and it reminds me a little bit of what Alex Smith went through when he came out the number one pick in the draft. Uh, not, okay, let's face it, nowhere near the college career that Trevor Lawrence had at Clemson, but Alex Smith comes out uh, from Utah, and people expected good things, and he goes into a really bad situation, and he said it set him back at least two years, both mentally and physically and with emotionally, with his confidence. I think that the job that they did last year and Doug Peterson's ability to work with quarterbacks and that offense is, is so quarterback friendly. They shaped the offense to fit the skills of the quarterback. It, it was a great, great thing for Trevor Lawrence. And I think last year we began to see what he can do. Obviously we knew what he did in college. So I think people look at them and they think, okay, this is a team whose arrow is pointing up. They are going to be a team to be reckoned with. And I think the Chiefs are taking them very, very seriously. Wonderful. Neil, thanks so much. We look forward to the matchup on Sunday. We appreciate you joining us this morning. You bet. All right, stay with us here on Jags AM. Coming up, we're going to detail our big things for this week and what to look forward to. Everbank Advantage, you make the most of your money at everbank.com slash Jaguars. Everbank is sponsoring the home opener on Sunday, which is I don't know if it's completely sold out, but if, if not, they're very, very close. I think just standing room tickets oh, yeah. at this point. So if you haven't gotten your tickets already, you might be a little late. But try anyway because it's going to be it's going to be as good of an atmosphere as you guys have seen here in a while. Yeah, sure. I'd look, Especially I, this early in the year. I'm sure that um, that you guys have been hit like I have with everybody who wants. What yeah. can you get? Calling and, and, in a favor. There yeah. are maybe a few standing room only that will be available, but mm -hmm. it's almost all gone. It's going to be sensational. Johnny, you feeling yeah. calls from all your friends? Uh, I have no friends, but I'm, 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 fe I'm feeling calls from people. Uh, you know, it's going to be un an unbelievable atmosphere. I did see somebody, there was a story or something about the biggest game in Jacksonville in year. Well, no, it's not. The playoffs were here last yes. year in the end of the season. Yeah. But I will compare this. I think most people who have been around for a little while remember the atmosphere of the uh, Patriots game in, in 2018. 2018. 
that's what it's going to feel like with the heat, with the energy, with the fact that this team has been so good for so long. I don't know that it's as easy to hate the Chiefs as it was to hate the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, no, they're not a hating team. But beating them sure means exactly what beating the the Patriots meant. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be a scene, man. Part of the reason they won't be hated is because Doug Peterson and Andy Reid's relationship is so strong. And sure. I think people understand that. And, and the relationship between Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence and the way that they've shown mutual respect is really strong, too. I do want to point this out. And, John, you were there. Um, week one, home opener, 1996. It felt like a million degrees on that field. And here come the AFC defending champion Pittsburgh Steelers, fresh off the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And Chad Johnson and... Greg Lloyd, Kevin Green. I mean, this was a great team. And at the end of the third quarter, mm-hmm. they were carrying those guys off the field. I mean, they just were not prepared for how hot and steamy it was. It's hot in Kansas City. I know I'm from there. But opening day, 1 o'clock here, whew, it could really be something. Can't yeah, undersell the home field advantage for sure. The only difference, like that year, it was so new to everybody. Yeah. And, and they hadn't been very good in their expansion season. So I don't know that people expected. They sort of hoped. I think there's a feeling of, you know, this could solidify what people hope they feel about this team, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yes. So there's that. And, it, and again, that was the same feeling people had in, uh, in 18, and it all, went, it all went haywire. This doesn't feel anything close to being able to go haywire. Yeah. So I think people also feel that. There, there is a feeling of what I said yesterday. I think people are jacked about this game, but they also sort of realize there's going to be more of these. This is the first of a lot of moments like this. So it's going to be cool, but it's not going to be the only one. All right, let's go over some of our big things. Our first big thing is going to be 3,600 seconds because we talked a lot about the Jags having a fast start, but now it's about playing a full, complete game. Doug Peterson talked a little bit about that earlier this week. It could come down to that, right? It could come down to a, a kick. It could come down to whoever has the ball last, which, you know, you do look at the playoff game, right? And if we don't we don't fumble, hopefully you score. You're down three with, you know, five minutes to go. You get the, you know, so it's going to come down to those types of types of moments. And, um, you know, we've got to be prepared for that, you know, not only as a coaching staff, but as players. And, and um, but anytime you're playing, you know these types of teams. Um, you, you've got to be you got to be ready for that fourth quarter. John, I know you called it last week that the game was going to come down to the wire, but it seems like it always comes down to the wire with the Chiefs. Yeah, and I think the Jaguars' task is to have it be a game that um, last year's games to me felt like the Jaguars had a chance if everything went right, and that they were fighting uphill the whole fourth quarter, and you kept thinking. If they could just get a break and get back in this, they'll have a chance. Uh, and it felt to me the whole games I, that the, the Chiefs were clearly the better team and the Jaguars were going to need something special to happen at the end. They were close, but uh, the task now is to be even keel mm-hmm. or even footing the whole game and then to be the team that makes the play, not have it feel as much like a miracle as last Miracle's too strong, but you know what I'm getting No, I, I, I can elaborate on it. Because I think they're there where they have a chance to do that. At the same time, number 15 over there is yeah. so good that it's hard to pick. Well, and that's it, John. Look, you go in this league, Kai, from being a bad team that loses big, which the Jaguars have been, 
to a team on the rise that loses small, which they were they were doing last year, to a team that wins small, to a team that occasionally wins big, because that doesn't happen in this league that often, right? So the next step for the Jags is to go and win those small games, those tight games in the fourth quarter. You have to know, and they do, because they watch that playoff game against Buffalo, where the Jaguars, the, the Chiefs beat the Bills, yep. you know, with 13 seconds left to play. They understand this one. Can they get comfortable with it? Can you go into the fourth quarter knowing that you have to be on an even keel emotionally, mentally, physically? You have to be ready to go every second of the game because Mahomes is so incredibly good in those situations. Is this team ready for that? And Doug and Trevor both answered the question yesterday and both believe they're ready to take that step. I mean, we compliment them all the time, or at least I do. Trevor is about as even keel as it gets, and this will truly be the test of how even keeled he can be when you take on the Chiefs, because they always seem to pull it out of everybody else. People fall apart going up against them, so we'll see what Trevor can do with that on Sunday. Our next big thing today is going to be a shootout, because when you're going up against the Chiefs, you can try and slow them down a little bit, but it's really going to come down to maybe who has the ball last on Sunday, and Trevor Lawrence talked about that earlier this week as well. But you do understand that even if it, the final score isn't 30 plus points or whatever it is, you, you understand the firepower they have that they can answer at any moment. So I think that's something, like I said, you got to execute in situations. You got to score off turnovers. You got to score in the red zone, specifically touchdowns. You know, all those things are heightened awareness of that based on who you're playing. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see our defense. You know, they get another crack at them. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. Brian, are we looking at something like 35, 31? Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be I, high. Right? Yeah, I mean, at thirty-one twenty-eight, maybe. Um, I asked him the question, and I don't know whether you caught on. The very first thing he did was defend the defense and said, "I have faith in the defense. I'm excited about what they're capable of doing." And then he went into scoring points. I, I have faith in the defense too, based on what they did last week, how well they played. It's not about the defense. It's about the fact that with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, these guys averaged twenty-nine point two points per game last year. They score against everybody. You're going to have to score 30, which means points, 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 points. Yeah, the Chiefs scored 27 twice last year against this team and won both games. The Jaguars are not built. Very few teams are in the NFL right now. But the Jaguars didn't build this thing to beat the Chiefs 17-14. Right. They built it to win 31-27, to get those 10 points that they didn't get last year. I thought the money quote from Doug Peterson yesterday, it sort of goes back to big thing one, was when he was talking about the Chiefs get better as the game goes on. Mm -hmm. And then he followed that with, we're starting to do that. I'm, yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but that, uh, to me, that's the thing that if you sat Doug down and said, what do you respect most about the Chiefs and Andy Reid, yeah. that he gets his teams to do that. It goes back to, it's gonna be a high scoring game. And the team that can look the other team in the eye and make that play at the end is a team that's going to win. The reason the Chiefs have been to five straight AFC Championship games is they're usually the team to do that. I think Doug thinks if we can be the team to stare this team in the eye, there's no team we can't stare in the eye. Absolutely, and that bodes well for the rest of the big games this year. Our final big thing is going to be windshield because you need to look forward in this league. And while the Jags came out on the wrong side of things in the two games last year against the Chiefs, they have an opportunity in week two to, you know, make a statement, but also for themselves, kind of see where they're at. They're going to have to compete against teams like this, if especially in the playoffs, if they want to make it to their ultimate goal. 
So Brian, when you look at this, is it a measuring stick game? What do you want to call it? Whatever you want to call it, what can we take away from this game on Sunday? Well, I, I, yes, it is a measuring stick game because you're going up against the champs. And how much better are you than you were last year? Can you execute better than you did last year? Because as John mentioned, you know, they gave up 27 points, which was below the Chiefs average, but they still didn't do enough. Are they ready to do enough? And I know the question was asked a lot you know, this week, hey, do you go back and look at those games against Kansas City? Is it personal? Or, you know, did you did you grind? Did you wear that all off season? And these guys, the guys at least that I heard the answer was, no, I'm looking forward. Do I recognize? Yes. But am I focused on what we did last year? No. Which tells me about the way that Doug Peterson has this team mentally ready to go. You can't just, it's, revenge doesn't work in the NFL, except in very limited cases. It's got to be about proving yourself and showing the league, who you are now, not that you're better than you were last year. Yeah, they've got to get past this team, obviously, to get where they want to go. But I don't think these guys last year I spent the offseason saying, oh, man, the Chiefs, this, this you know, mm-hmm. they, uh, uh, Jaguars weren't the best team in football last year. It's not like they beat, it's not like 99 when they beat everybody else and couldn't beat the Titans. Yep. Right. They were, you know, ascending and they ran into the best team in football twice, best team in football beat them. So I think they just look at it as, yes, it's a measuring stick because if they beat them or how they play against them shows where they are. But I, I don't get the vibe that it's all or nothing if you follow me. I, I think they think, well, this is going to be a measuring stick and then the Bills and then the Bengals. You know, mm-hmm. There are going to be big games. Uh, at some point, they're going to start winning those big games. Uh, is it Sunday? I don't know. I think they're going to be really good for a long time. Are they ready to win this game Sunday? Uh, I don't know because that's why they play the games. Yeah. I think this is why we're so confident about them going forward because it's not like years past where maybe they're getting up for one big game and then there's a fall off after that. They're even keeled going into this. Yes, it's a big game, but they know there's a lot more season to go after week two. So stay with us here on Jagsam. He will, he won't, he might as we preview the Sunday's matchup in the home opener. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. Welcome back as we get ready for he will, he won't, he might in our Sunday matchup against the Chiefs. Brian, you want to kick us off with who you have for he will? Yeah, I'm going with Andre Sisco, and Andre will have a big game on Sunday. Now look, I I just got done saying they didn't look back to last year, but if there's one guy that might look back, it would be Andre Sisco. You know, he got that uh, that penalty for the hit that he made on uh, Marquez uh, Valdez Scant. No, was it Scantling? Uh, I thought it was Schuster. Yeah, it was right. It was uh, uh, Schuster, right? Okay. So he had that big hit, which was not an illegal hit. Um, and then, of course, he had the hit last week on the tight end in the ball game. Again, it, not a cheap shot, but it was illegal in the sense that it was poorly timed. He's a big hitter and a big, big player in the middle of this defense. He'll have a big game on Sunday, and he might remember a little bit about last year. Uh, he won't back down. His style is not going to change. He'll make adjustments so that he doesn't get 15-yard penalties every game, but that's just not the way he's going to play the game. He is going to be there to deliver the hit in the middle of the field. He's He's an enforcer of sorts. Um, And John, I think he might be the most overlooked guy in the Jaguars, uh, on the Jaguars defense, because, you know, we talk about Trayvon and Josh and Foyer and Devin and Tyson all the time. And yet, Andre Sisco is a really good football player and a really important piece on the back end. You know, he's that quarterback of the defense, especially the secondary, that gets everybody where they're supposed to be. And then he's got the speed and the range and the size to be a good closer and clean plays up. 
Yeah, it, it was. Uh, he's starting to be really good, and he was good last year. Starting to come on. It, it, he had that weird start where he didn't play as a rookie in the urban year. That was all kind of messed up. Um, but yeah, he, he's uh, quietly. And I'm not sure why it's so quiet because he's a big hitter and he makes plays. So it it feels like he's one game or one sort of big play away from all of a sudden being a guy that every fan talks about. Hey, I love Cisco. Yeah. Because he he's a likable kid when you interview him. Uh, very very intelligent. Very uh, uh, dynamic to talk to. He's a safety who he has a little bit of a of a unique combination of he really hits. And at the same time, he's got an incredible nose for the ball. Yeah. So he's yeah. probably that close to being, I don't want to say a national name, but a really big-time player a lot of people know about. Hadn't torn his ACL in his last year at yeah. Syracuse, uh, he would have been a first-round pick. Certainly a first-round talent, at least for us, fortunately. John, who do you have for he will, he won't, he might this week? Well, I kind of went with the obvious. Uh, or to me, it's obvious. <laughs> Calvin Ridley, um, he will obviously be very important to the game plan. Um, he won't be overlooked because she's going to know about him. At the same time, in the he won't part, he's the one factor in this offense, with apologies to Bigsby and Strange, uh, he's the one difference between what they were last year and what they are now. And we've all talked about it. We've talked about it so much in the offseason. We saw a little bit of it last week, but it feels to me like there's a step in terms of dynamic above the X's and O's plays that he's capable of that might. See, I did that. Hey. I didn't have to stop. I just went proud. right into it, Ron. You're getting better, John. He might be the difference in the game because he's the difference in this offense and just statistically scored 24 ish last year. It scored uh, 20 against the Chiefs. He might be that guy that gets them to 30 yeah. that they need. So, uh, great trade, obviously. Great vision to see this uh, coming from Trent Baalke. Um, he might be the difference in the game because at, at, as good as he looked last week, I think Jaguars fans are excited about what he did. Did you guys think that he was maxing out at all? No. Oh, no. I mean, so there's something there. Yes. Uh, and you wonder if with a special player like this, the, the moment gets bigger he'll get bigger. So I just wonder if there's not a big moment, game, something from Calvin Ridley this weekend. Mine is similar in the sense that it bounces off Calvin Ridley because I'm staying on the offensive side of the ball. I picked Christian Kirk. I think he's going to lead the team in catches this week because I don't believe he's going to be shut. He won't be shut out like he was last week. I don't believe he's going to have two down weeks in a row. And we discussed, you know, Zay Jones was the recipient of, of some of those uh, benefits from playing with Calvin Ridley when there's over coverage on him. Zay Jones benefited with that great touchdown catch, and I think Christian Kirk is going to benefit this week, especially if Chris Jones is in the backfield a lot. They're going to want to bail out and get those quick passes off, and I think Christian Kirk is going to be that guy that is the recipient for that frequently, and he might very well be the guy at the end of the game that ends up being that game-winning catch, whether it's Calvin or not, because I know everybody's eyes are on Calvin. I think it might be one of the other targets, and for me, it's Christian Kirk this week that I think will benefit most from that. I talked to offensive coordinator Press Taylor yesterday after practice. He told me that he had a nice conversation with Christian, and Christian gets the fact that with all the talent that's there on the offensive side of the ball, there are going to be days mm -hmm. where the ball is just going to go the other way, and there were, there were situations in the game 
where the ball could have gone to him. But the Colts, and especially with the linebacker Shaq Leonard in the middle of the field, yes. were very aware of where Christian Kirk was. And he doesn't think there's going to be a lot of games this year where Christian Kirk only has one catch. Here's what's going to happen this year. Every week I'm going to get some email about, why didn't they do this? You know, yep. it, it, all the emails last week were, why did they stick with the run so much? Well, you know what? If, if they hadn't <laughs> stuck with the run, it'd been why'd they get away from the run? If, if you're going to stick with the run, which this team is going to do in spots, and get the ball to Ridley, and get the ball to Evan, and get the ball to Tank, and get the, you know, Zay, somebody's right. going to get left out because there's only so many. You know, I answered a question about Christian Kirk this week in the Ozone. My answer was, games only last so long. There's only so many yeah. catches or There's possession. only so many plays. Yeah. If it had been five quarters, I'll bet Kirk has three catches for 20, you know, but time runs out and all of a sudden presses that they're going, oh, I gotta, now I got to talk to Chris. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> so. I, it, it, my interview with uh, Press will run in uh, the first hour of uh, the pregame radio show. So if you'd like to hear it, uh, look for it there. But he said, I'm going to call plays for everyone. I'm never going to tell the quarterback where to throw the football, right? Okay, well, that's the quarterback's decision based on what he sees. And week to week, based on what the defense says, what the, how the defense uh, tries to defend them, mm -hmm. he will find guys that are open. Look at us, all these options. What is this, what is this about? The team has so many places to go. This is great. This is a good, good place to be. But they have too many people to throw the ball to. Stay with us as we go around the locker room, previewing Sunday's matchup against the Chiefs. Back here on Jags AM, we're going to quickly go around the locker room, see what some of the players had to say as they get geared up for a big matchup this week on Sunday. They're really a great all-around team. Um, the O-line works really well together. Mahomes is obviously um, a tremendous quarterback. Travis, obviously a great um, receiving threat. And then um, it's, it's schematics as well. You know, Andy Reid is a, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Fame coach one day. So, um, you know, he's putting his guys in great position. It's really about what we need to do, um, making sure that everyone's in the spots that they need to be making sure that we all rely on one another and we go out there and we be where we need to be when we need to be there and just trust the process and, and uh, we'll see what happens at the end of the game. Yeah, it'll be a good test for us early in the season to see where we're at and uh, you know this is going to be a tight football game and we know that we know adversity is going to strike and so I think it's big for us you know week two uh, to really get a taste of you know the caliber of football and the level of football that we want to play um, you know and we're going to have to beat teams like this to get to where we want to go so I think it's really important you know for us to approach it that way and uh, you know I'm looking forward to see how we respond like I said you know when, when things get tough and uh, you know hopefully come out on the positive side of things. All right, seems like the players are ready, coaches are ready. I know the fans are ready to get out there on Sunday. Uh, final call, you guys. Who you got on Sunday, John? Uh, I think it's uh, – <laughs> I'm bailing because I, I think it's a coin flip. <laughs> I got a pick for yeah. you. It's I think a it's a coin flip. Uh, I think the Jaguars can win. I don't know if they're ready to beat Mahomes. Okay. Uh, so I think it's going to be tight. I, uh, I say Jacksonville, 31-30. Brandon McManus drills a long field goal to beat the, uh, the Chiefs here. Ooh in front of an insane crowd on a, a really warm day. And um, yeah, I, I, just, I, I just have the sense that this team is ready to get over that hump. Now, you know, I mean, that doesn't mean they're gonna beat all of these teams, you know, the Buffaloes and the Bengals and that, um, but I just have the sense that this one is theirs. Yeah, there's part of me that thinks this offense could score, if they can get these guys blocked, uh, which is a big if, Yeah. Yep. the offense, it's there. It, it's 
it's there if they can get him blocked. I also don't think that Travis Kelsey, even if he plays, is going to be anywhere near himself. Uh, and I think that Devin Lloyd and Andre Sisco are more prepared this year to be able to handle that, or however Mike uses them. But those two guys would seem to be the guys most capable of handling him in that situation. And I just don't think he's going to be himself. And I think the Jags take advantage of that. Yeah, it's a game where we can see if some guys have grown up. Yep. Absolutely. We'll see. It's definitely going to come down to the last minute, I think, for for whoever comes out on top. I'm going to double down on the Jags, though. I said they were going to start really hot. So they're going to take down the Chiefs in week two. All right, we'll have all of your recap for you on Monday on Jags AM. Enjoy the home opener on Sunday.